Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. My name is Haas Rauscher. The goal of this podcast is to help men find and fulfill their purpose. I'm going to try to help them be good, strong leaders, good, strong men, good male role models in their communities. I'm going to do that by having conversations. I'm going to invite guests on. I'm going to ask our guests, what is your purpose? What do you think your purpose ought to be? How did you find that purpose? And what do you do every single day? How do you get up, get after it, and go and fulfill that purpose? Our guest today is a special one. I've been wanting to have him on for a long time. He is the executive director at High Plains Children's Home here in Amarillo. He's a husband. He's a father. He's a leader out in his community. Drew Perkins, how are you? I'm well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long time coming. When I started this, I think back in August was when I started. Um, we always thought it would be cool to have you on because of what you do. And uh, just to uh, be clear, what? Well, let's start. What is your purpose? My purpose that I fail at most days is to try and be the hands and feet of Jesus to the people I encounter. Yes, sir. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Um, so to uh, go back to High Plains Children's Home, instead of me trying to stumble through it because I don't know much, why don't you tell the people what is High Plains Children's Home? So we are an organization that started back in 1967, um, and there have been several iterations of High Plains Children's Home from uh, taking care of single mothers to uh, being an adopted agency for uh, the children of those moms. Uh, currently, we take care of abused, abandoned, neglected, or orphaned children. Um, we do that through a couple of different vehicles. We have an emergency shelter where when CPS removes a child from the home, uh, they spend their first 30 to 90 days in the emergency shelter. We uh, get uh, medical uh, checkups, vision checkups, dental checkups, psychological evaluation. We get them outfitted. Most of them show up without any clothes or anything. So they do. Get them outfitted with everything they need. And then uh, the kind of the second phase would be they potentially move over to our general residential operation, which is similar to traditional foster care, except we have full-time house parents and uh they take care of up to eight children at a time. Occasionally, we'll have nine in each cottage. Uh, and so that's that's where we are on the child care side. We also have a community for adults with special needs where they can live uh, pretty independently. Um, awesome. Where uh, we just provide help with some, some little things, some little extras, transportation, some social gatherings and and things like that that's awesome man yeah it's a cool place and when you drive by it most people think it's like a boarding school y'all have such a nice facility thank you so much we are super blessed oh my predecessor out there is uh, craig howard and he was the executive director out there for well over two decades and he set that place up to be successful he did an amazing job yeah i i drew drove 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 i drove by it uh multiple times before dlan ever started working there and uh, yeah it just it looks awesome it looks like some sort of campus or church camp or some a really nice place you know not when when you hear people complain about and obviously if they're in foster care and stuff like that there's a lot of other bad places but um i feel like if you had to pick one that would probably be a pretty good one to I go appreciate to appreciate it we want our kids to be proud of where they live yep. um, just like your parents wanted you to be proud of where you live yes sir and uh, wanted you to invite your friends home yeah and we want them to feel welcome to do that and feel excited about doing that that's really cool and i think that is one thing that you know I don't have much experience in this space. Uh, I, I do a little bit um, from a family side of things, but as far as the the mass group home foster care, I don't have much experience, so I don't know what other 
foster cares, you know, or these organizations do for people. I know what Boys Ranch does, but I do find it really, really awesome that y'all really try to give them that home experience. You know what I mean? Like, yes, sir, we absolutely um, do. Yeah, especially in like during the holidays and stuff like that. It's been really cool, you know, seeing like, you know, it it sucks because somebody's got to work on Thanksgiving, but then you also have to think about the other side of it That's of exactly like, right. you know, I'll be selfish a little bit. And I'm like, you know, oh, that sucks. Dion's got to work on Thanksgiving. And then I got to think and I'm like, well, those kids didn't have like if she doesn't, then they're not going to have any Thanksgiving. That's exactly. Right. Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> none of those kiddos picked. Hey, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is where I'm going to be for Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and we're super fortunate that we have folks like DL and who yeah. um, give up their Thanksgiving. Right. And, and that is, man, that's absolutely a part of the ministry mm-hmm. of working out there is is uh, yeah. making sure those kiddos have those special holiday memories that that we all got to have growing up. Right. Um, and I've had more exposure to the emergency shelter, and it's just it's wild, man. I mean it it really makes you. For me, I get incredibly angry, not at the kids, but like mm-hmm. the stories that I hear inside oh, of there that, that come in and I'm just like, I can't even imagine, you know, but it, I find peace in the fact that y'all are doing what you can do. And like I said, that y'all try to give these kids, I mean, the moment they walk in, you try to give them a home experience, you know, and it's really cool that you know, they're not going and, and sitting in a cell for a night, you know what I mean? Yeah, or something absolutely. like that. They come into a home with a bed and a bathroom and um, they get closed the next day, hopefully, you know what I mean? And, and that's, so. you know, that's something we really, uh, t- talking more from the general residential operations side, um, those are sure enough houses. I mean, yeah. they're houses that we'd both be proud to live in. Right. And uh, I, I think that's, that's such an important facet of what we do is a, we, we provide this, this genuine home setting, but also they're nice houses that, uh, right, those yeah. kiddos can aspire to, Hey, if I, if I work hard and, and, um, but make, do what I make good do. choices yeah. and do what I need to do, I can, I can live in a house like this that I own. Yeah. And you know, and it, it really does kind of stink because, and you can talk a little bit more about this, but y'all do have to maintain some sort of, uh, I guess standard of what kind of kids that you're going to let into the environment. And it, it stinks because seeing the emergency shelter transition, some of those kids for, because of what's been done to them and the age that they're at, they don't get to upgrade to the nicer houses and stuff like that. And it just, it's, it's really so frustrating as far as what's been done to those kids to make them to where they can't be in an environment. They've got to go to a more, an environment that better deals with them and where they're not going to affect other kids. Absolutely. It is. uh, That is one of the heartbreaking things. Um, I would love nothing more than for us uh, to be set up to take care of every single kiddo that comes through the door. The truth of the matter is though um, we can't. No, there are other organizations that are, are better set up um, to deal with uh, the fallout of, of a lot of the trauma that, that the right. kiddos have had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and it does stink, but I, I just, I like what y'all are doing in the fact of, hey, we're going to take and, and we're going to do the, the best benefit that we can by these kids that we can actually help. You know Absolutely. what I mean? And, um, and I'm just on a side note, I am, I'm incredibly proud of our staff in that they have really stepped outside their comfort zone and yeah. and we have expanded the range of uh, what what we are equipped uh, the the range of kids that we are equipped to work with and yes, that's sir. that's been exciting to watch yes sir yeah no it, it's it's been cool uh, from an outside from an outside looking in view of it and I've attended some of the events um, 
it, it's just it's really cool to see what y'all do and you know uh, dl and she it, it's kind of weird because she's had jobs in the past you know it's a stressful job like there are a lot of stressors and she's had stressful jobs in the past that she hated and that you know the stress made it just 10 times worse this job i mean she loves it so much that you know the idea was for her to maybe eventually be a single mom i don't know that i'm ever going to be able to get her away you know from that place you know not that i want to pull her away but you know what i'm saying i understand um i you know she enjoys it so much that you know when we talk about any sort of like other options when we have kids or anything like that she's like no i want to do this and so that's that um, is great and we love having her yeah that's awesome uh yeah so i don't don't get to see how she is at work so it's kind of like i would assume that when you have kids and the teacher tells you like oh it's such a great kid right, in class yeah. and you're like that's not what on. i see at the yeah, house come on yeah. now dog you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah, are you absolutely. sure are you sure i have uh, i have an 18 year old boy and a 17 year old boy i know exactly what you're talking about yeah yeah that was, that's what i was going to ask so you've got an 18 year old and a 17 year old yes sir um, how was it raising boys you know it was interesting um i well uh, if i can delve off a little bit into yeah, yeah, yeah. into my story um yeah go ahead our, uh, my wife and I had a daughter in 2001 that okay. was born um, at 24 weeks, and she weighed Oof. one pound 13 ounces, and she lived 22 days in the NICU. And um, man, the the gut punch of it all was we really thought we had turned the corner. And yeah. on that 21st day, we met with. Uh, there had to be 12 or 15 uh, doctors and nurses and specialists and whatnot in the room and every one of them gave a great report and she was doing phenomenal she had yeah. she was up over two pounds she was eating well it was life life was looking good mm-hmm. and, uh, the next day she died of an infection oh my gosh and so um that absolutely changed my perspective on parenting um you know, every every time you ask someone who's pregnant, "Wow, well, do y'all want a boy or a girl?" Oh, we just hope they're healthy. Well, nobody means that. Yeah, yeah. You know, the dads are like, "Well, I want a boy," and the moms are like, "I want a little girl." And, is, isn't it funny the gender reveals? Can, oh, we, can we stop for a second yes. when like oh, the dad has to act fake aside, excited <laughs> when they get uh, a girl? You yes, know what I mean? He, yes. He's got a, and they are, they yeah, are excited. Yeah, just you know, just they probably were hoping for a boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry, but no. So when when I did have my oldest son, um, I was coaching at the time. And so I, in the back of my mind, I did probably think, well, not probably, I did think, well, this is going to be a quarterback shortstop point guard. Yes, he um, is. <laughs> triple threat, triple letterman. Um, and we, we discovered fairly quickly that wasn't going to be the case. He, uh, um, we found out on his first birthday that he had a genetic liver disorder oh, no. that was fatal without a liver transplant. And so he had a liver transplant when he was 20 months old. We went down, uh, shameless shout out, uh, we went down to Texas Children's Hospital in Houston. And those guys are amazing. Yes, sir. Um, incredible, incredible people doing amazing work. Um, but he... Uh, not only physically was he not going to be set up for athletics, he doesn't care. He doesn't like sports. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only the only thing he likes about sports is cheering for his younger brother, who uh, is is an athlete and a football player and right. um, runs track and all that good stuff. But um, the 
one of the things that I, I did take away from the experience with our daughter is I genuinely was just, man, happy to have a, a kiddo who is healthy and yeah. oh. after the liver transplant. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it gave me a much greater appreciation for watching him participate in things that he's good at. Um, right. Whether I'm familiar with them or not, I'm going to figure out how to be familiar with them. Yeah. I, I can, I can bear, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. I can't sing to save my life. And he's right. an incredibly gifted vocalist. Um, you know, he was in the show choir at Amarillo high and is, uh, singing in choir now in college. And, That's awesome. Oh, it's, it's incredible. And I, I am so fortunate that I get that same, rush watching him perform that I get watching my younger son, you know, lay a receiver out on the sideline. That's, you know, that's, yeah. it, it is vastly different experiences, but I, I get the same enjoyment out of watching them both do it. That's awesome. No, that's, that's, uh, that's really cool. That kind of takes me, uh, into a question that, um, I was going to ask it anyway, but I was forced to by my wife because she huh, wanted this perfect. question answered. Yeah. <laughs> no, when well, she, you got to say yes, when she, send, what yeah, you when she sends in questions, there is no option that's of whether exactly they're getting right. asked or not. Uh, so what qualities in your kids do you, do you like the most that, and I'm going to take it. What, what do they do differently than you, that you, uh, enjoy the most? What qualities do they have either more of or less of than you that you enjoy the most? They are far more mature than I was at their age. Um, when I was 17, 18, um, I was really only interested in how cool can I look? Yeah. And um, man, my, I've got this truck, but I want that truck. And how yeah. do I get that truck? And um, how do I make people think X, Y, and Z about me? Um, they are both incredibly grounded and incredibly secure in who they are. Awesome. Um, oh, and that is such a blessing as a parent. Um, and, and full disclosure, uh, my wife is an incredible mother and, yeah. and that's one of the main reasons they're great kids. That's awesome. Uh, they, um, they, they are super fortunate to have her as a mom. Yes, sir. Um, and she and I are vastly different. I don't, I don't know how much you're into like personality surveys and things like that, but you know, one of the standards for a long time was the Myers-Briggs personality survey. I think I've heard about that. Yeah. And so they, they, there's basically four categories and she and I are polar opposites in all four categories. That's and, awesome. And not like kind of opposites we are way out on the edges yeah. opposites and so we have both moderated towards each other over yeah. the years which has been good for both of us but it's also been good for our boys in that they get to see the benefits of engaging emotion i i, I was so anti-emotional it's just logic <laughs> man if you'll just turn to logic yeah well there are times where you do have to make heart decisions and not logic decisions yep. and they've been blessed uh, to see their mom uh, make some decisions with her heart that uh, primarily affected other people uh, yeah. positively uh, this this isn't the logical thing to do but it's the right thing to do right so that that has been a real blessing um, one of the things I'm most proud of both of them for uh, and and going back to um, one of the things I've talked to them a lot about is for their generation 
one of the best abilities you'll be able to take into the workforce is show up on time and work hard. Yep. And if you're going to do that, you're going to separate yourself from many of the other candidates going going for uh, promotions or raises or, or whatever. And so I'm really proud of the fact that both of those dudes clock in and do work, um, whether it be their curricular or extracurricular activities or jobs. Right. Um, they I also, I wanted them to have some entrepreneurial experiences. Um, it's, it's absolutely great if you don't want to own your own business, that's fine. But yeah. I wanted them to have that experience early um, just so that was always an option. And so right. from the time they started working, they've mowed yards together. That's um, awesome. And yeah, they, they work hard and they set up their own schedule and for the most part do it the way they should do it and have happy clients and, and all that good stuff. Um, but that, that carries over into so many different aspects of life is, you know, if, if you'll do the work, the, the dividends will come. That's awesome. No, that's uh that's really cool. I like that. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have kids yet, so it's hard for me to relate on a lot of that, but I can relate to the fact that you and your wife are completely different. Yes. Um, that is, we feel that in this household. <laughs> it, 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 uh, you know, it's funny. We just, uh, for the first, uh, probably 12 years we were married, we both just thought the other one was crazy. Um, yeah. And finally, we went to a marriage retreat that they gave us our personality surveys. And it was something my wife, her first degree is psychology. Yeah. And so we had taken it. We knew it. But at this marriage retreat, they basically gave us a sheet that said, here's who your spouse is and here's what they do that drives you crazy. And here's why they do it. It's not just to make you crazy. It's because they feel or think or whatever X, Y, Z. And when you react like this, it elicits this response, which makes you think she's crazier. And so once we were equipped with that knowledge, um, it, uh, it's been so helpful uh, in, in our marriage to, to help us navigate living with each other. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, for us, I, we actually have a little bit more in common than what a lot of people think, but, um, there's some, how do I, I don't, I don't know how to go into it. You don't know how to say it without getting in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you're a very smart man. (laughs) No, Um, I'm an experienced man in that very thing. Um, yeah, no, we're, we're just, we're very different. And, uh, but one thing that does save me is somehow she really likes me. Mm -hmm. And so like, let's take like introverted or extroverted. I'm very extroverted. Um, she's not incredibly extroverted, but she likes watching me be extroverted. And so she's okay with, absolutely with being extroverted to a party and watch you hold court and yeah and and that's exactly our marriage yeah and so it's been it's been kind of fun you know what i mean to to see us try to work together and she's she's big into like the personality tests that i don't think mean anything (laughs) you know what i mean like i'm like hey look if we're not paying for this Mm -hmm. i guarantee you it's not worth it like we're doing facebook first and she'll get really into that and then i'm like (laughs) okay well i think you like this personality so what we're gonna do is we're gonna sit down and we're gonna pay fifty dollars for you know an hour long personality test and she's like i don't want to do that right <laughs> i'm like yeah. well okay well we're here now you know what I mean? because we're that yeah. different i would love to sit down and take an hour-long personality test multiple choice dude yeah. i got it you know Let's what i mean after um yeah and i'm looking to get 100 on it even though it's like exactly you, you, yeah. you can't which um, one is the right answer yeah, yeah. which it 
it's kind of funny because if you're anything like me, you know why they're asking sure. the question. Like, have you ever taken like those political compass tests? Oh yeah. But you take the political compass test and you're like, no, I know exactly why you're asking me this about is a trick question. Yeah, yeah. or you're like, or they'll they'll ask something like, oh, how did you feel about you know the 2000 election or something like that? And it's like, you know, it's, it's some stupid that, something stupid that the normal person wouldn't perceive as political. Right. But you're like, no, I know exactly why you're asking me that. It's political, and I do that with personality tests all the time. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, oh. Absolutely. Yeah, at some point you wonder, am I answering this because I know the outcome I want or is this what I really think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and I can like on those those political compass tests, I can put that dot wherever I want it. Yeah. Um, And so like I do. I'm like, no, we're going to take a real personality test that I can't control the outcome for. And so but no, we're, we're very different. And I think that does. That helps kids a lot too, kind of like what you mentioned Absolutely. coming up, seeing those two people. You mentioned that you listened to the episode on negotiation, yeah. um, watching two people negotiate and bicker, um, I think really helps kids a lot. Uh, yeah. Just to take this back to the original, you know, uh, a little bit deeper. You know, I think kids, and I think it may be a Jordan Peterson thing. That may be where I heard it. Uh, I don't know if you listen to Jordan Peterson much. Uh, you, should, you, you might really like I need him. to, yeah. Um, but uh, seeing parents, you know, get you know, dusted up and, and bloody fighting, you know, figuratively, right. <laughs> figuratively, yeah. we're not trying to send our kids to high plants yeah, exactly. or anything. Um, uh, no, you know, seeing parents get dirty and, and fighting, um, it helps them figure out how to negotiate for themselves. Yeah. Working, and, working through problems as mature adults who have yeah. different opinions. Yeah. yeah. Watching kids, watching a, uh, parents do that. Yeah. Uh, in a mature, um, in a mature way, fashion, yeah, is super important. Absolutely. Right. Because you know, like most, like you were referencing, most of our kids that we get out at High Plains, they, they have no paradigm for that. It's no. just, hey, Dad said this, Mom said that, Dad hit Mom, and so Dad got his way. Well, yeah. so all they've learned from that is violence may be the answer. Well, no, that's yeah. that's never the answer. With yeah. your, you know, with your spouse, and so. Um, yeah, it's it's incredibly important for kids to be able to see that healthy negotiation. Yeah. Um, and it's also healthy for kids to see their dad or their mom say, you know what, I was wrong here. You were right. Um, let's do it your way. Yeah. Um, and that's that is, again, something I was slow to learn, uh, you know, I for the first well. I would say at least three quarters of my wife would probably say the first 99% of my life. Um, being right was the pinnacle. That's even if you weren't right, you had to be right. Yeah. Know? And, and that's just, that is, that's a hard thing for me to work through still. Yeah. And you know, one way that I've kind of come to, it's, it's so funny how we can play our egos and, and trick our egos because if I admit I'm wrong for all of 30 seconds and listen to this person and what they're trying to say, then maybe we can both be right. And that still makes me right. Yeah. You know absolutely. what I mean? Like if I admit absolutely. that I'm wrong and then you're right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like if I admit that I'm wrong, then I still get to be right. And I still win. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it, it's yeah. just a different way to play your ego and, and, you know, play nice with, with other people. True. Uh, and so that's kind of what I've fallen into. And, you know, I didn't get a lot of that, uh, growing up, you know, my parents were more, they argued in front of us and stuff like that. But, um, um, when it got to the point to where it, they, they would take it behind doors a lot, you know what I mean? Which 
Yeah. You know, by all means, they didn't want us to know that the finances were struggling or something yeah. like that. But a lot of the resolution wasn't shown. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. how do you, I saw the argument. I saw what they were arguing about. I know there was conflict. Yeah. yeah. And and I'm a relatively smart kid. I pick up on, on or I was a relatively smart kid. I don't know what happened, but um, <laughs> I picked up on context, you know, really well. And so I understood a lot of what they were arguing about, but I never actually got to see um, the amicable resolution. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? And so, and I think my mom and dad are a lot more alike than what they want to admit and i think that causes a lot more um arguments than what, sure. they, what they would like to admit um because they're both very stubborn so mm-hmm. but no that's that's all that's all good stuff and like i said it, it's awesome that your kids are so um i would say you have a dichotomy of, of children yeah. um that's cool and it's cool that they still have shared values so um i do want to how do i navigate this your son's in college is he at wt he's at ac he's at ac yeah god Um, bless the thrive scholarship yeah that's that is a a shout out to amarillo college and aisd and the amarillo area foundation um most of the kids graduating in AISD can get 60 free hours at Amarillo College. Wow. And that's, I mean, that's like printing your own money. That, yeah, that that's is. amazing. I know they had something like that in Oklahoma where if you passed a certain SAT test, you could go to a school in Oklahoma for free. Um, that's that's awesome. I, I've heard really good things about AC. Dylan oh, it's, had, it's an outstanding institution. Yeah, Dylan had a really bad experience with one professor mm-hmm. um, that just absolutely tarnished the name of AC and I oh, wish I could send in. That's right. Um, yeah, if you've got connections, maybe we need to talk about it. Cause, <laughs> I have no connections um, there. But no, it was it was she really ruined a lot of things at AC. But other than that, it was a really great institution. Um, Yellen was able to. They got her at least to that professor and in one of their programs, and then from there it just went off the rails. But um, I do want to ask, you know, being such a strong. Um, a strong Christian presence, and I'm assuming that you have somewhat, let's call them traditional conservative values. I don't, I don't know a whole lot about you, but um, I would say that's a fair statement. Yeah, to make. If, if I had to guess, um, we agree on a lot. How did you prepare your son, especially the one that's going into the, the choir and stuff like that? Because even at WT, um, the choir and theater, and if he is more liberal arts minded, it is an absolute cesspool for people that hate the way you live. Um, mm-hmm. How did you prepare him? for that and and to be strong it, it, well yeah. let me ask it does he does he number one does he agree with you has he been there long enough to find out and then how are you preparing him to be strong and to to know himself throughout college because i watched a lot of kids that you know it's unfortunate because some of the greatest artists in the world you know were traditional christians that you know believed in things like what we did and it's getting to where you can't even go and learn that in higher education um because you get so assaulted on an ideological front so a couple of things there um First of all, um, his responsibility is to first is to make sure he's a good Christian man. Yes, sir. Um, regardless of where he is, regardless of what the other inputs are, mm-hmm. um, that's up to him. Um, hopefully, uh, Chandra, my wife, and I have, uh, with the help of lots of other people, equipped them um, to to be those good Christian men. Right. Um, second of all, um, we have tried to teach our boys and we're, we're blessed to go to a church that, uh, espouses this as well. Um, our responsibility is to love other people. Right. Um, and 
sometimes that means loving people you disagree with. Correct. Um, I'm I am not responsible per se for what other people think. Mm-hmm. I, I am responsible for how I react and interact with them. And if I do, let's say, disagree with choices they're making, um, they're certainly not going to listen to me if they no, no, no. don't think I love them. Right. Um, and I think that's where we have made some mistakes in the past is uh, we have yelled and screamed first. And then if you change, I'll love you. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel as though I feel pretty strongly that um, if, if what's the old expression, if nobody know, nobody cares what you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. Um, I, I believe that, that very, very strongly. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I think what I really got out of that is, uh, uh, teaching him a sense of independence and sovereignty to be that strong Christian man. Is that, is that kind of correct? Um, because that's what just uh, avoiding the group think of what goes on, Mm -hmm. you know, and it it happens on the right side of the aisle too. Oh, absolutely. The group mentality is a scary thing regardless of where it is. Um, but it's just so crazy how even in a small, uh, in the Texas panhandle, how even that mentality of, we both know what we're talking about, you know, the left, let's just call them the left or the communists or whatever, like how much of a stronghold they can even take over some of those institutions. And yeah, so I, I think regardless of which way you lean, uh, it's important to be an independent thinker. Yeah, um, that's fair. And, and there are there are values, uh, there are valuable thoughts uh, on both sides. And the important thing is to determine for yourself what you're going to think and not just, Oh, Hey, I'm part of this group. I have to think X, Y, Z. Um, and that, that is, uh, independence is, is an important thing. Yeah. So for those of you out there that didn't catch that, I'm going to rephrase this question. Basically what I asked Drew is, Hey, how do you, uh, how did you teach your son to not be like all those people that you disagree with? And what Drew said is, Hey, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. We're going to love everybody and be independent. And what that was, was me injecting my bias into the question. (laughs) What I should have asked was, Hey Drew, how do you teach your son to be his own independent man and and keep his own thoughts? Um, and so, and you answered that with, teaching christ and and, and those things and Absolutely. so um, I, man it, you don't see any mob mentality in matthew mark luke or john no on coming from jesus you, okay. you 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 see um love and understanding and outreach and help up and things like that and yes, sir. man if i can see those qualities in my boys i i will i will be super proud Yes, sir. So, yeah, that, for anybody that doesn't know, that was me. Yeah, I fumbled, fumbled the bag on that question. You you had a much better answer than well, what I was you. I was trying to lead you into. So, um, <laughs> no, uh, no, you're you're thinking on a lot higher level than I am. So, um, so I do want to get into some more of the high plane stuff and helping yeah. super super underprivileged boys, um, and you know, obviously, y'all help women too. But we're we're here for men. So, sure. um, why did you choose to work for high plane? How did you get to work for High Plains? Why did you choose that over what you could be doing somewhere else? So it's a funny story. Um, I spent 12 years in education. I was a teacher and coach for four years, then crossed over the dark side and became an administrator. And and that was the reaction I got every room I walked into. (laughs) Uh, It's that guy. 
Um, the slacks. So, well, <laughs> and you know, if I always kind of felt that if if I was doing that job well, um, kids would be frustrated with me because I was too hard on them. Yeah. Teachers would be frustrated with me because I was too easy on them, and parents would just be frustrated with me. Yep. Um, and that was as a guy who likes to be liked and when i walk into a room i want people to be excited i'm there right that was a hard uh, cross to bear for lack of a better phrase and so i i stepped out of education in 2010 and and started my own insurance agency i oh, cool. started a farmer's insurance agency and from scratch and enjoyed that process and that scratched that entrepreneurial itch and I, I really did enjoy it um it it's not that i woke up every morning excited about liability limits or anything like that <laughs> yeah. but i i did um enjoyed helping people maybe enjoyed helping people and and i carried that education uh bent with me yeah. and so instead of just selling you what i wanted to sell you it was going to be an educational process and you That's were awesome. going to understand why you had what you had and why you didn't have what you didn't have and and so I guess I had had the agency about five years and was finally making a living. And uh, Craig Howard, my predecessor at High Plains, called the office one day and he said, hey, you going to be around for a little while? And I said, yeah, man, you caught me. Uh, come on over. And hung up the phone and I shared office space with a buddy of mine, Reed Bailey. He's a farmer's agent here in town. And uh, I looked at Reed and I said, hey, Reed, I think Craig wants me to sponsor a golf tournament. You want to split it with me? And he said, yeah, you bet. Well, the decision was made in my mind and I went back to what I was doing. And yeah. Craig got there and we went into the conference room and talked for probably an hour, hour and a half. And uh, he left and I called my wife and I said, you are never going to believe the conversation I just had. Oh, wow. And she said, what? And I said, well, they want to talk to me about being the executive, the next executive director out at High Plains. Um, and she was incredibly supportive of the change, leaving the school district and that steady paycheck and right. striking out on our own and being the 100 percent commission and all that. And I said, man, what I'd hate to just jump into this change what do you what do you think she said i think that's what you were put on this earth to do awesome and so the inter interview process i'm air quoting here the interview process was about nine months long and I, I met with craig every three or four weeks and i met with the board once on my own and then met with the board once with my wife and then met with the board once with my wife and my kids wow. and managed to fool them and they hired me. That's and awesome. So, yeah, it was, it was a, a, a great experience. And I, you know, there were, there were times I'd come home from my meeting with Craig and I'd say, there's gotta be somebody better qualified than me. I, this, will, <laughs> this will probably be my last week in this, in yeah. this uh, arena. And he'd call and say, hey, let's meet again, you know, next month. Okay. Yeah. Snuck through this round and so got through all of it. And, and they wound up hiring me. And I was super fortunate in that um, they brought me on as the director of operations. And I got to do that for two years and overlap with Craig. Um, and he got to show me uh, where all the bodies were buried out there on campus. And probably more importantly, where the water and gas lines are buried. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> yep. We, you know, we have a hard and fast rule at High Plains. We do not dig after noon on Friday. Um, That's we, very we've funny. Had, we've had too many experiences where we there's a water line where there wasn't supposed to be or whatever. And I, I don't think you understand how relatable that is for oh, me working at Pantex. Yeah, you can't <laughs> do it. Whatever you're digging, it shuts down at noon on Friday, and we'll pick it back up at eight on Monday. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, man, no, that's a, that's a really cool path to, to get there. And, uh, I guess what was the, what was the purpose of that super long interview process? What do you think they were trying to get out of you and what, what do you think they were trying to make sure of? Well, so like I said, Craig was the executive director for, I think it was 23 years before I took over and their purpose was they wanted another 20 year guy. Yeah. Um, You're going 24. You gonna try to beat that record? Yeah. Well, I don't know. You try to put him I, I may shame. Have come to the game too late to get 24, but how, we'll, we'll see. How how far into it are you? I have been at High Plains seven years. Okay. Um, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I am. I just turned 46. Oh, you got 30 years. Yeah. Oh, wow. you got 30 years. Oh, my word. Put him to shame. Oh, yeah. Just uh, annihilate run the race laid out before me. Huh? Yeah. He annihilate your predecessors. Oh, man. Delete his his legacy is is one that man. You talk about big shoes to fill. He he did some amazing amazing stuff out there. When uh, there were times where man. The organization was in a rough place, right. and and he was able to pull it out of the ditch uh, and and keep it on the tracks. And that that's awesome. Um, in in especially some of those early years, uh, amazing, amazing work. Yeah. That's awesome. So, what's the? Uh, I know y'all are a Christian organization. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, what are the requirements to to work out there in order to um, represent your values yeah. acceptably? So. Um, we are a ministry of the churches of Christ. Yes, sir. And our house parents and um, in the GRO and our our case managers um, are um, they they all have uh, they all go to a church of Christ have church of Christ background. Um, when we opened the shelter, it was we we weren't certain that we could keep that tight of uh, of a um requirement on it yeah Yeah. and so then it became okay do you share our christian values and (laughs) um do you you know do you attend to church where do you attend to church um and and make sure that that those those values line up with um we we may do sunday morning a little differently but you know our core values are going to be the same right and i think that's that's essential you know what i mean um You know, value alignment is Absolutely. important uh, um, from whatever. If, if we're not all rowing the same direction, then it's going to cause problems. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because in an, in a secular organization, you know, competing in the marketplace, I feel like that's a little bit harder to navigate because oh, you're like, absolutely. how do how do I get somebody that has the same values as me, but also not a lawsuit? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, um, and I think it's important for y'all to be able to do that. And I don't think it should be as big of a, a lawsuit issue, you know, in the corporate world. Um, yeah. But well, and you know, with with us being a religious organization, it, yeah. uh, we have the the liberty to do that, and that's that's yeah. uh, which a, a I, nice I think thing. I think is important, um, and I think that. 
don't want to get too political but i think i think a lot of things were ruined with um a lot of things got put under the umbrella of discrimination right. that um are causing a lot you'll see a lot of corporations that end up crumbling because they weren't able to you know enforce value alignment mm-hmm. um and i think that's one of the reasons that y'all do so well uh at high plains is because y'all do all have aligned values and you have a common core driving force that that allows you to do what you do yeah. at a high level it's you know it's also nice that we can put that being the hands and feet of jesus thing uh we don't have a, a profit margin that right. also has to align with that you know we obviously we we have to break yeah. even or we don't get to keep doing what we do yeah. but yeah it is it's not a, a profit driven uh model it's a hands and feet of jesus driven model right how do you how do you balance that because obviously um you need to pay people you mm-hmm. know what i mean like it, I mean, you do pay people so how do you how do you balance that and what are the intricacies of instilling you know their purpose of being there and their morale while still maintaining a uh a, you know a nonprofit yeah. motto because you Absolutely. know one of the driving factors in a corporation is hey we're all here to make more money um mm-hmm. obviously if you have a good corporation you're here to sell the best product you know what i mean you're yeah. here to help solve the customer's problems but everybody knows on the back end that if you solve yeah. the customer's problems you you're, gonna get, more. you're gonna yeah. get paid more so Absolutely. how do you how do you navigate that and does it tie back to that christian faith of yeah. keeping people motivated yeah so first of all um Everyone that works out there deserves to be paid way more than they're being paid. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, and I would like nothing more than to be in a position where I can make the decision to do yeah. that. We're not there yet. Um, the um, There does have to be a, a big element of feeling called to do it to make a difference right um, and it's it is funny the paths by which some folks have been called out there um, there have been people who have have said you know have said man we just we've talked about it we've prayed about it we've, right uh, and this is what we feel called to do and then there have been people who have kind of showed up and said i don't know man there's just there's something about what's going on out here that I just want to be a part of. Right. And, and then through that process, we're like, Oh, this kind of like what my wife said, Oh, this is what I was put on this earth to do. That's, that's cool that I found that through what I thought was just going to be a job. Um, going back to the, uh, the calling versus the finance, um, Clint Townsley, our director of operations, he and I have tons of conversations, and it almost always gets said we are a hundred percent ministry, right, and a hundred percent business. It's not fifty-fifty it, because if you don't take care of one, uh, you lose the other. Um, and so we try to make uh, decisions a with that Christian principle, uh, right, first, but b with a sound business decision second, right. Um, and again, the ni- the nice thing is we're not looking for profits. Yeah, um, we're we're looking for how best can we facilitate taking care of kids. Yeah, and so like when we opened the shelter, we looked at a lot of different shelter models um, that didn't necessarily overlay 
the business model on it. They right. Were, they were 100% ministry and 25% business. Yeah. And because of that, they ran at big deficits, and a lot of them eventually had to close. Yeah. And so we kept looking at it, and Clint, man, the some of the best hiring advice I can give is hire your weaknesses. Yeah. Um, and and all of Clint's strength, all of Clint's numerous strengths are my numerous weaknesses. That's good. Um, and so he is a wizard at looking at numbers. Yeah. And he kept coming back and saying, I think we can make this thing work better than some other folks are doing it. And sure enough, we opened it and um, it has it has worked well. Now, there have been changes in uh, the things that surround us that have right. forced us to step back and reevaluate and change and um, things like that. But from the original set of data that we had to make the decision whether or not to open a shelter with, um, I I think we hit a home run and and everything was was really great. That's good. Uh, Child care in the state of Texas right now is in a very dynamic situation. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a whole, whole lot of things that are changing rapidly um, that we are keeping trying to keep up with and being relatively successful at that but the trick now is to decide okay which of these change agents are permanent which are temporary right um, which will moderate which will become more extreme um, and that's that's the challenge of, of running that organization yeah that seems seems tough and you know i would think that it's it's such a hard position to be in because you know you hear i don't know if you listen to like minch or anything like that or uh, yeah um, I've, I've heard a lot of his stuff any of like the fiscally conservative people that say that the reason government sucks so bad is because they have no profit incentive that they're not making any sort of profit and so it, I, I would imagine that it's hard to try to find that balance of no profit incentive versus having a mission versus yeah. we're not looking for profit right um yeah. and i think it is a testament to y'all are doing so well because y'all are really good businessmen or it, sound, it sounds like to be. Yeah. um you know what i mean and mm-hmm. i would think that it, you know if i were in that spot the only way i would really be able to do it would be you know our profit is being able to give back to the kids Absolutely. you know what i mean like um, and and run it in that sort of way of saying hey we are not profit, but the kids are all profit. That's exactly you right. know what I mean. Like yeah, the easiest budget decisions we make are right. Are we going to spend more on cottage vacations? Yes, we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, Jimmy has outgrown all his clothes. We'll go buy Jimmy more clothes. That's easy. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the the harder prof um, the harder budget decisions are. Hey, this truck has three hundred thousand miles on it. It's still running. Right. Do we want to continue to make those twelve hundred dollar repairs on it, or do we yeah. go buy a new truck? Yeah. Well, if it's a Ford, it'll run for five hundred. Well, 000, it's, so. 
the majority of our vehicles are Fords. That's awesome. Good for <laughs> so, y'all. Well, you are making smart business. We're trying. And We're I say trying. that knowing yeah. good and well you pulled up in a Chevy. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and it's funny. I said the other day, uh, man, if I had it to do over again, I, I would have bought an F one fifty. But that that is, sir, you are a now, man. You are a man so of God. <laughs> I will say my private, my personal vehicle is a two thousand one excursion with a seven three diesel that has three hundred thousand miles on. That it. is wow. Jesus does amazing work. Man, he does. Through you, yeah. Through the seven three. Through, through you and through <laughs> the Ford Motor Company. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, that's awesome. And I see some of the. It's cool that y'all have like normal vehicles. Um, oh, I know yeah. you do have some marked vans and stuff like that, but it's really cool that you have normal vehicles um, because you know I can imagine some of those kids that are maybe sixteen that yeah. didn't have to deal. It's bad enough to get into a white fifteen passenger van. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well. Yeah. Anyway, uh, anyway, um, yeah, it, you know, at a school, but some of these kids that don't really know any better, uh, you know, some of the younger ones are fine, but some of these kids in the high schools, you know, they don't always want to have that hanging over their head. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they do anyway, going yeah. to school, um, but it's cool. I do want to say that the, the normalization, the, the pure effort at normalization that y'all try to do is just awesome. Thank I mean, you so much. 100%. I, I couldn't, you know, allowing them to have phones if they work. I, I, we took, uh, we took, God, I'm so sorry. I can't remember the kid's name that we took. Maybe God, it was, don't use it anyway. Um, yeah. That's, that's probably better. So, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, no, you're we, good. we took two, we took a, a young man and a young woman to uh, prom. Yeah. And, uh, that was really cool. He's like, yeah, if I work hard, I get my phone and I get yeah. to use my phone and I get to go and hang out at friend's house and I get to do this and get to do prom. And we try really hard uh, along with the normalcy uh, portion. We try really hard to convey to all those kids out there that hard work and good decision making now mm-hmm. um while that will result in some short-term benefits, the long-term benefits, yes, I mean, that's that's where the real thing is. Um, and that's going back to parenting my own children. Um, very few good things are instant gratification. Yep. Uh, the majority of really, truly good things are delayed gratification yes. and take uh, the work and the thought and the decision making on the front end to pay dividends on the back end. I, I would agree with that. I'm not very good at it, but I yeah, we all that. struggle with it in, <laughs> um, in some areas. Yes, sir. So I do want to get into some of these more uh, pointed questions. So what do you think the most important piece of helping young men overcome their struggles is? What What is, if you had to, I know it's not a one, you know, a one and done, but if you had to pick a most important piece, what is that? Well, so you, you did hit the nail on the head when you said it's not a one and done. Right. Um, just like with my own kids. Yes, sir. Um, they have been parented differently. Right. Um, and and some folks will look at that and say it's not fair. And I'll, I'll quote a guy uh, named Bob Daniel that I worked for at Tascosa. Bob used to say, fair's where you ride rides and eat cotton candy. It's got nothing to do with what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and so equal is not fair. Right. Uh, getting what you need, what everyone needs is fair. Yes, sir. And so... Um, we try to have this these overarching um, 
I hate the word rules, expectations. Expectations, um, yeah. That, that everybody is going to fall within these guardrails that we've put up. But as long as you're staying inside those guardrails, we can do it all a bunch of different ways. Okay. Um, and so like in the Owen cottage where our older boys are, um, those house parents do a phenomenal job of tailoring their parenting to each of those kids. Um, and that's, it's hard with two. It's exceptionally hard with eight. Yeah. Um, and, and so they, they will all want those kids to learn how to work hard and right. to be responsible and to make good decisions and, and make Christ-like decisions, how they get to those points with each of those individual kids may be different. For one kid, it may be, um, hey, he's he's going to work at Sonic, and um, we have to say as soon as you walk in the door, uh, you're going to sit down and do your homework. You're going, you know, those things. With right. another kid, it may be. Hey, he's going to have a show animal, um, and and he's going to take part in raising and feeding and cleaning up after that show animal, and then after the livestock show, hopefully he's made the premium sale and he'll yeah. get to reap some of those rewards. Some of the even better lessons, though, are when they do that work and they don't make the premium sale, yeah. and you still can be excited for your uh, your roommate that made the sale and you can still congratulate him and be excited for him right and and you're still going to glean good things from that process that are going to benefit you down the road yes sir so let me try to sum that up and say maybe the best thing is not discipline or religion or anything like that maybe the best thing for a young man to really grow and, and be better would be a personal connection with with a role model with oh, that 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 is huge obviously so that they can so that they can tailor that approach yeah, you know what i mean um now we're uh we're loading the system in that all of the people who are going to be those role models right. are going to be Christ-like people yeah. um, or people who are trying to be Christ-like for sure. Um, and so they're going to teach those lessons um, with that, that Christ-centered bent. Yes, sir. Yeah, I know that. I think that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I think that's what a lot of kids are missing is that, you know, that personal connection with, with a teacher and that's with why an, like with an adult that cares yeah, with an adult that cares um yeah that's why i i don't know that i'll ever send my kid to and i know your kid is in a big school you know what i mean yeah. but um i just think it's so important to have those personal connections yeah. that for me going through a small school i know how important it was yeah. that um i'm just absolutely terrified to send my kid to any sort of well, you let, know, me, let me try school. and set your mind at ease a little bit. Okay, um, I'm, I'm open in, to new opinions. In every big school, every big school is made up of a hundred little schools. Okay, um, and so take my youngest for example. Um, he's an athlete, right? And he has lots of coaches that are are speaking into him and are interested in his well being. He also has a lot of teachers that he has a good relationship with, and they have a good relationship with him and they pour into him as well um the the key thing in my mind is being involved in something right um, as i grew up I, so i went to abilene high school and my graduating class was about 400 yes sir um i it was sports for me right um and so i 
left high school, went through college and started my professional career just thinking people only get this from sports. Right. Well, that's, that's not true. My oldest son got it in choir and orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, while I was an assistant principal at Tascosa, I saw kids get it from ROTC and theater. And they, they ag, all, all had ag. ag. Oh, absolutely. That, um, but also, uh, you know, there are a lot of kids going to Amtech now and it's auto mechanics and auto body shop and HVAC. And right. there, there are all these, uh, little schools inside those big schools. Um, and, and we've been incredibly fortunate that, uh, both of my kids have had a great education experience Yeah, and, and from day one, maybe, maybe too much, uh, my wife and I have emphasized that whatever that standardized test score that happened on that one day of yeah. that one school year, I didn't have anything to do with your value as a young man. Yes, sir. That just says what you remembered that one day. Well, now we've been fortunate; they both did great on yeah, yeah, their standardized yeah. tests. But um, um, I might be sitting here singing a different tune if if they hadn't. But um, I think. Well, just to stop you, I think that is the reason that they probably do great. I hope so. Um, I hope it's a part. Yeah. yeah I, well, I, I think it. Yeah, I think it's a big part because you know, um, growing up, I kind of grew up in a lot of that star test tax test um, BS controversy Mm -hmm. that you know where I'm hearing adults complain about it I'm hearing some of my teachers complain about it and the teachers that I always saw that were super successful with their star test or their tax test were the ones that said I I don't care (laughs) you know what I mean like I don't care about this this tax you're you're gonna do it and you're gonna do fine what I do care about is what you come in and you do every single day and that you're paying attention and then they wouldn't talk down on the star yeah. test. They would say it's it's literally it's just nothing. this one thing. Yeah. yeah. It, well, and they would say you know it's important that you go and do well. You know what I mean? They would tell us, I think this test is important, but on that day, in the grand scheme of things, you know, you're going to be so far beyond that test that it really doesn't even matter. Matter. But it was the teachers that complained about having you know oh well we, they're telling us what we got you know mm-hmm. the ones that did that and the parents that complained about it that those were the, the people that were giving their kids such test anxiety that they couldn't even go in and do it so and, funny story one of my best friends a guy named mark williams uh taught at north heights alternative school here in amarillo right and a lot of um the kiddos that he taught traditional school just didn't work for him yeah and and so that's um that's why they found themselves at north heights and he in the time that i was getting to spend a lot of time over there uh he was an english teacher and he taught so completely different yep. that, that from from a traditional classroom and it was never worried about the test it was hey if you work hard in this arena the test will take care of itself don't yep. don't stress about it we'll we'll get you to where you pass the, pass the test don't worry about it yeah. and um he worked relationally with kids it was so when i had my farmer's agency i would go spend every friday morning in his classroom that's awesome and just be with kids and so he would get a new kid in and he would have about a 20 minute conversation with them everybody else is working independently he's just having this one-on-one conversation with this kid and so he would say at the end of that conversation let's say it's a high school girl back in 2010 um, twilight that was kind yeah, of a yeah. big deal and 
he it was important to him to be up on pop culture and so he knew all the things the kids were talking about and so he would say for example oh didn't you hate the way the second movie ended and they'd say oh yeah i hated that and he'd say okay here write a new ending and he'd hand him a sheet of paper and they'd say how long does it have to be oh i don't care it just needs to be good yeah well so if you're a kid and somebody gives you that assignment, you're in your mind, the default is one page and you write one page and you hand it to him. Yeah. And he would say, Oh wow, such a great start. And would hand it back to him. Yeah. And they'd be like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> and he said, well, have you thought about a and B and C? Well, no. Okay. Go back and work on it. Well, so they cobbled together another half page that really didn't flow with the first page and he'd hand it back and he'd say, Oh yeah, these are great thoughts, but now it doesn't really flow. Does and they wanted so bad for him to just say, "Hey, write three pages and we'll call it good." Yeah, yeah. But what he wanted was an authentic work. Yeah. And so finally, on that second or third or fourth time, he handed it back. They'd go back to step one, and they they'd create this thing that if you took it back to their English teacher that they'd had all year and showed them, look what this kid created, they would tell you you were lying. Well, no, that that's not what I saw. Yeah. Um, and, and so much of it just went to, A, they were getting to write about something they enjoyed and not the Hound of the Baskervilles or whatever. Yeah. Um, but B, it was that relationship where every step they were praised for something um, and told what they had done had value. Right. Now add on to it. Yeah. No, I, I really like that. <laughs> and it's something about, it's something about the, uh, which I had a lot of good female English teachers, but it's something about the old uh, intellectual, strong, you know, somewhat conservative English teacher man that um, does so much good. I, I had one of those, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I had multiple of those that uh, were really, were really cool dudes. But, and I think we need a whole lot more of that. You know, one of my, an alternative school would be one of my absolute dreams would be to run an alternative school just because it, it, I watch, and part of that comes from, I've got a little brother that, um, it would be safe to say that public school is not his thing. Um, (laughs) yeah, it would be safe to say that, um, public school was my thing, not because I liked it just because I was good at it. Yeah. And, um, he isn't excellent at it, but you just see teachers just setting them up for failure all the time in 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 the name of them not wanting to develop those personal connections you know what and i mean it a little bit in there well you, you know let me they put have this 120 yes. kids and you and know more than alternative I do. school so, you yeah. have 15 yeah. you know and so yeah it's it's set up yeah um the structure of it right. is set up to develop those relationships. Yeah. It's funny when, when I decided to leave the school district and, and go start an insurance agency, I went ahead and turned in an application for high school principal just in case the alternative campus came open. Right. That's exactly right. That's, that is what, that's what it's all about. It's relationships yeah. and it's one-on-one and it's, it's good stuff. Well, and that's why school vouchers are so important, which I don't know how it's gotta be just the group thing. But how in the world people would disagree with like school cho- and maybe you disagree and you can give me a good reason, but people disagreeing with school choice in order to take your kid wherever mm-hmm. you want your kid to go to school. I, I can I, absolutely listen to 
both sides of that. Really? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I, that's I, not, I see the value in, in both sides of in it. Both sides of it. Um, yeah. it I, because, you know, some of the best instructors I worked with, yeah. their test scores didn't reflect that they were the best instructors. They were, right. um, they were starting with a tougher set of circumstances. Um, and then I've worked with some instructors whose test score, if you look at their test scores, you think, oh, they must be a phenomenal teacher. Well, they're also maybe working with kids who have all the advantages. Right. Um, I, there are probably three teachers that I worked with um, that had a standing job offer wherever I worked, whether it's in education, out of education, whatever, they had standing job offers yeah. and they weren't necessarily the ones who just, their test scores were phenomenal. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess, I don't know, I, for me, I would, I like to leave that decision up to the parents. You know what I yeah. mean? And no, so, I, and like I said, um, I completely understand yeah. both sides of that. Well, and, and you know, it's, it's so frustrating because, you know, my little brother, um, I, I don't want to say, too much because there was times to let me let me put it this way if you spend 30 minutes and he's he's a lot better now but if you spent 30 minutes with eight-year-old houston that's my little brother you would say where is the ritalin where do we keep it yeah. where is it where yeah. is it um and a lot of people try to say that you know he's got adhd and you're sitting there and you're like no that doesn't make any sense because I can sit here and watch him do a puzzle for three hours. Right. You know what I mean? What's happening is you either a don't know how to teach him or B you don't want to teach him the way that you want to teach him yeah. or C he just doesn't want to learn what you're teaching. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the, just the audacity that we would put somebody, we would medicate somebody for that reason mm -hmm. when he's got so many redeeming qualities that I would be so scared that medication would take away from him yeah. if that were to happen. And I don't mean to take it, into that realm those are no, those no. are all opinions of mine but um i would to to sum that up i would love to have an alternative school um one of these days when, when i've got big big money in a, in a much nicer much much nicer studio than what we're sitting in now um <laughs> then i would like to have an alternative school one of these days that to where we can help serve those those children that that weren't like me because i yeah. you know what i mean I, I went in and this is not to be school worked for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah 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 this is this is not to be arrogant but it just it worked and yeah. You know, a lot of it was out of spite. It was because I was smart and, you know, I would... I feel like that would actually be hard for me. The, the English thing to where he said, um, just write it. Yeah. Um, I would feel like that would be very difficult because if he said, write me 10 pages, I would have been like, you're going to get the best 10 pages that you've ever had. You know what I mean? If he would have said, write me one pages, I would have put the best shortest ending in that one pages that I could find. But when he says, just write an ending, I'm like... Yeah, you. But where do I stop? How do how do I spite you? You know what I mean. Like, <laughs> how do I spite you? How do I do this? Um, how do I you know blow your expectations out of the water and make you mad at me because I destroyed your goal? You know what I mean. Like, how, how do I break do the curve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, I was, I was, I tried to be the curve breaker every yeah, time I walked into class, and so that's why you know the modern school worked for me. Um, and maybe I would have reaped a little bit more benefits out of somebody that yeah. that just did that. And I had teachers that did that, and so that was really cool. Um, yeah, that's that's cool, man. I admire your your stint in education. I think I I avoided it really heavily because of the um, the salary things that sure. you hear growing yeah. up all the time. Um, so I avoided it very heavily. But I do think it's. Uh, I don't know if I would want to be in administration. I would. 
I would want to be adjacent. You know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, I've thought about getting into like school boards or something like that yeah. um, to be adjacent and be involved. Yeah. But uh, I like that you went that route. It, it seems like you well, enjoyed it. Talking about the salary, I, there were not many years I didn't have a summer job or a, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. a teach summer school or, or be a summer school principal or, or whatever. Yeah. It's, yes, sir. But it uh, coaching specifically, I man, that was the best opportunity um in the school system for me to have those deep relationships and interact. I still have kids that I coached my first year that we're now, now we're peers, we're colleagues, we're friends. Yeah. And that is, that's such a cool thing to, to be interacting with those guys as you know, they're in seventh grade, sixth grade. Watch them grow up. You're just the coach. Yeah. And, but then they're in college and they call and ask if you want to have lunch because they they want your advice on something. Well, yeah. I mean, my gosh, that's that's the the highest praise you can get yeah. as someone who's supposed to be a mentor is years later someone still wants to hear what you think. Right. Uh, that that was that was a huge huge. Uh, blessing to me yeah that that is really awesome and that's like i said i chased the uh i'm really good with things and i'm really mechanical but i chased that and i really think that connection with people that you're talking about i really relate with that and that's where i'm kind of reorganizing what i'm doing right now just to, yeah. to find that connection and it's awesome that you were you were able to find that um and enjoy that absolutely um, that's that's really really cool um, so I do want to ask, based on uh, based on your experiences, well, let me let me set this up a little bit. So uh, I'm reading a book called The Boy Crisis, which I really want to show you before you leave okay. because I yeah. think you would I think you would really enjoy it. Um, but it's it's basically talking about how we have a crisis of uh, our young men are having a crisis, and he approaches it from like he was a super strong feminist um, at a certain point in time, which we can debate all of that stuff later but what he basically he had an epiphany and said hey nobody is doing this for our young men and they're suffering and it's a lot of statistics uh i just got through with the portion about um what happens when fathers don't show up with a powerful presence um or when they're just not there yeah. <laughs> um gone or even worse uh how how important the role of a father is at least statistically from your experience how important is it to have a father in the home and we're assuming that we have a mother on the other end of that yeah. but how, how important is it to have a uh, a mother and a father but especially a father in the home um that is i've been thinking about that actually um that is a a, a trick question um in I, in that we have to have good fathers in the home yes um, yeah yeah it, it it we talk about just well the dad needs to be there well if if the dad's no good, then he not doing any good for those kids. Right. Yes, sir. Um, just just being present isn't enough. We have to be good fathers, um, <clears throat> and so it is incredibly important to have that um, that that father, and in the absence of a father, some sort of strong mm-hmm. male role model for those boys, um, and and not. Not just from a testosterone, hey, I've got to teach you to um, to 
shoot a free throw and throw a football and and shoot yeah. a rifle and fish and all that good stuff and that's all great stuff that i love yes it is um, yeah. but but also to have those fathers say this is how you be a husband right um and and if if you are a good father and a good husband you're going to be a feminist but not not the way you were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're we are protectors and we are defenders and we are encouragers. Right. And um, I so I I will tell you how I try to be a air quote feminist. Um, my wife uh, started her own nonprofit a few years ago, and I genuinely believe my job is to be her biggest cheerleader. Yes, sir. Um, and and she as a woman is uniquely suited to do what she's doing just like as men we're uniquely suited to be uh to be fathers and to be dads and to be husbands and and to fill some of some of those other roles that we fill um but anyway all that to say yeah uh, having that positive male in the house is it's it's hard to find a substitute for yes sir Um, now with that having been said i've seen some single moms just be amazing yeah yeah but it's two or three times as much work and you have to put in that much more effort and Mm -hmm. you have to be that much more you you have to think okay as a mom i have to fill this role yeah but but i have to acknowledge that there's this dad piece i also have to figure out how to fill Mm -hmm. um and and those those women that do that are uh, jewels in their crown man absolutely amazing uh who who do that right well and it's they are, you know what I mean? And it, it takes such, I guess, strength and, and selflessness to, to do that as a, as a single mom. Oh, absolutely. And it just, it, it hurts so bad knowing that even though they're doing their best and they're doing everything that they can, and they may still crank out a good kid, yeah. how much better it would yeah. have been, or how much easier, easier their life yeah, would have absolutely. been if they would have had, a, you know, a good father in yeah, the home. Absolutely. And, you know, it does like, even having a good father, like, one it's that, still hard. Yeah. Well. Yeah. One, well. One that does all the things that you're talking about. Um, yeah. That's incredibly important, and we would love to have that. But even just having two incomes, and oh, especially yeah. you know, since you know, statistically, this is a fact: men earn more than women. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just it, it gets down even to that level mm-hmm. of yeah, we want you know a good father that's not causing a lot of damage, but even an average father it's, yeah, is so much better than than yeah. having none. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so wild. And, you know, you see all these wild things that are going on today, all the, the shootings and the horrific things, and almost every single one of them did not have a present father. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say present, I mean good, a, a good yeah, father, involved, you know what I mean? invested. Um, yeah. uh, you know, almost every single one of them didn't have that. Yeah. Um, like almost every single criminal <laughs> in, the, yeah. in the penitentiary didn't have a good invested father. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it just, it's so evident and in our faces that mm-hmm. it's, it's so, unbelievable how easily we've been missing it for all these years yeah. and i say we i'm, I'm only 23 but um you know <laughs> systemically how yeah. we've missed it yeah. but even even our gener, you know even my generation um looks like we're headed on another path of, or just getting worse in in the fatherlessness mm-hmm. and it just there's so much evidence to support that hey all of these problems that you're trying to solve out here like 
all of this stuff. Um, if you would solve like this one, it would take care of 80% of that. Yeah. What's there's a, Oh, there's a, I want to, I want to say it is an, an Asian based story where there were, there were bodies that kept floating down the river right? and we'd pull the bodies out and we'd, we'd bury them and we'd have this wonderful funeral service and and that that's all well and good but somebody go up river and find out what's happening you know and that's that's where the answers all the answers are up river Um, we can treat symptoms and and we do we have to treat symptoms and 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 that's that's all well and good but we also have to go up river and find out what's causing the bodies to float down river yeah and that's a whole uh, as far as the specific case of bodies that we're talking about, that is a whole, uh, that's a, that's a grand, uh, how, do, how do I even say that? It's, it's a, it's a problem of unbelievable magnitude yeah. with solutions that I don't know. I don't know if we can or how we fix because what, what I think, it, I think that's another part of it is we have to be willing to say, I'm not sure what the solution is. Yeah. But I'm willing to try something. Right. Um, we we so often feel like we have to have the answer. Yeah. Uh, even if we don't have what we know to be the answer, don't let great be the enemy of good. Yeah. Uh, you know, if if we feel like we have something that'll solve part of the problem, let's solve that part yeah. of the problem. Well, and I think unfortunately with the the fatherless epidemic that we're seeing now is that solving part of the problem is always like turning into your own, like solve what you can, which is your own family, which you're going to make another great father, but you can't help like there's going to be a fatherless child that may end up being a fatherless child. That's where we got to turn, you know, people like High Plains Children's Home and and be involved in things like that to try to get outside of our family unit. Because I see a lot of even conservatives, you know, turn and say, well, I'm going to take care of mine. Yeah. Find it good. Take care. Prioritize and execute. That's like, a great place to start. Yeah, great place to start. Um, keep going and try to get involved in the community. And it, it's such a tough problem to solve because you can't make other people's decisions for them. Yeah. Um, oh, wouldn't it be nice yeah. if we could? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, uh, child support's not working. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, mm. it hasn't done any. You know, sure it's done some good, but it's not like there's a whole bunch of dudes that you know say, "Oh man, that child's." I think I'll just stay right. around. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's it, not. It'd a be thought. cheaper for me to just be a good dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody's running those. Nobody's doing an Excel spreadsheet of the cost that it would take <laughs> right. to do child support versus. Yeah. Um, they end up doing it, and then they're upset that they just you know paid for this lady's new car. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Like, um, it, it it's just not solving those issues, and so I think the real answer is community involvement, and basically what y'all are doing there taking kids that have been affected by this epidemic of fatherlessness and showing them that hey we can't be your dad um but we can show you how we think one ought to act and Mm -hmm. you know hopefully you take that and actually go be somebody else's dad absolutely um you know so I, i really enjoy that part of it um so let's go what uh your what is your and i think we've kind of gotten this um a little bit but if you had a struggling young man um that obviously you do all the time what is your best piece of advice to a struggling young man that maybe came out of um a really tough position the likes of which we've been discussing yeah one thing i think we forget as adults is if if you have a 12 year old kid who has been in a tough situation for 18 months that's a tenth of his life right i I mean 
that's a ton of time. And so our kiddos, uh, not just at High Plains, just in general, right. kids get so caught up in right now mm-hmm. because they have so little, you know, I, I'm at 46. I have all this life experience I can look back on and I can see the roller coaster of life um, that in general is a good thing. It, you know, right. I've had ups, I've had downs, but the trend is good. Yeah. Um, it's hard to convince kids when they're in that valley that this is a temporary deal, man. Yeah. Um, don't make decisions. Don't make permanent decisions during temporary. this temporary yeah. time. Um, and what we see a lot is kids make detrimental decisions, uh, whether it be substance abuse, self-harm, um, Bad, bad relationships. Things getting like somebody that. pregnant. Yeah getting, yeah, getting a girl pregnant. Um, we see these things that were decisions made um, in, in this small amount of time that have these far-reaching longitudinal impacts, um, generally ne- negative impacts. Yeah. Um, and what I would encourage kids to do, and it's it's the hardest thing in the world for kids to do, is be patient yep. and understand this is temporary, and and let's let's make some small decisions right now mm-hmm. that'll get us through this short time um, until we can get to one of those peaks, right? And and we can see the benefit of of maybe delaying. Uh, Making the, delaying that gratification and, and making decisions that are going to be best for us when we're uh, 18 or 25 or 30 yeah. instead of what feels like the most fun or the most um, protective right now. You know, so many kids that um, get into substance abuse, it's it's just that, that short-term dulling effect that man it i get it that you're you're in a hard spot right now and and you want that dulled um the problem is where does that come where where does that leave you in five years 10 years 20 years uh numb to everything (laughs) yeah Yeah, just just numb um so i would have to ask it sounds like you grew up in relatively favorable circumstances oh absolutely okay i I was super fortunate both my wife and i were super fortunate Um, right great parents hyper involved um managed to walk the line between very involved in our lives but also allowing us to grow and mature and make mistakes and uh but but we always knew we had this net yeah. to help us back up after our mistakes. Um, and I think that's one of the things that is hard for a lot of the kids that, that come through High Plains is they've operated without a net. And so they they want, they have this independence. Yes. Um, yep. And kids aren't designed to make independent decisions. No. They're designed um, to make decisions with help. 
and to when they do make mistakes and fall to have someone there to say okay let's look back let's let's break down film on this yeah Uh, what was the mistake how did we how do we correct the mistake and how do we not do this next time uh, have you seen the new commercials uh, for like football games where the dude said like the guy left the, the the door open and the cat came in and then they're like on the, really on, like on the telestrator or uh, no I don't I don't actually know who does the commercial oh, but okay. it, it, they're like uh, he's like you left the door open last night and now we have a cat oh yes and, yeah. and they're no, like no I didn't yeah, yeah let's let's look at the film yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Let's, let's, let's look at that. that yeah that looks a lot um, like me because yeah. it is you yeah, yeah. Um, no and I see a lot of that uh, with uh, DL and um, hearing some of the stories of these kids that come in there and like they're 13 years old and they're like I could drive better than you yeah. and I had to tell Dion I'm like well number one they're probably right but number two <laughs> I don't know where they get that confidence um, yeah. you know what I mean uh, but and I think I did I don't remember what episode it was that I did on that um, I want to say it was like one of the Q&A episodes where somebody asked me um, how to help kids kind of find their purpose and again I don't really work with children but I know how I would try to do it and it would be, you know, I, I do think a lot of those kids come in with that sort of independence that yeah. that's that false. they've had to develop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but that isn't the best way. Yeah. But that like false sense of of self confidence yeah. because they've been running their own lives, and the only way to do it is to facilitate uh, facilitate daily failure mm-hmm. and rebuild confidence. Yeah. Um, was kind of what I, I had come up with, and and, so. and you know the the hard thing for for a lot of folks is and especially at the shelter is you know you've got 90 days let's say yeah Um, plus or minus yeah so you you work with jimmy for 90 days right and let's say you make a little headway yeah and and jimmy moves out and you start all over with bobby on his 90 days and so um one of the things that would be insanely difficult for me in the shelter is this constant make a Rotation. very little progress and then start over with someone else yeah. make very little progress and then start over with someone else yeah. whereas when they move over to the gro there's it's it's more of a permanent semi-permanent mm-hmm. um and so you get to see hopefully not always but you get to hopefully see some fruits of your labor with that being extended out you yeah know, um and you get to prove that what you're doing when works. You, and when you make a mistake I, i'm i'm still here i still love you we're still going to work on this yeah um Whereas with 90 days, that's so hard. Mm-hmm. Even if you even if you bat a thousand and do it exactly right every time, you still don't always get to overcome the the baggage. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. And well, and the other problem is with you know the requirements that y'all have is yeah, it's only 90 days, <laughs> but it's also you sometimes they have to go back into that environment for visitations or whatever Often. things like that, and yeah. and it's like you just can't get a break. You know. Yeah. What mean or they have to do phone calls with this toxic entity that has absolutely ruined their lives you know what i mean and they have to be brought back into that consistently and that's that's going to lead me to some of my next questions but um, you know i just to share share some of my background with you um without getting myself in too much trouble with my family um my uh my little sister is actually my little cousin um her mom enjoys substances and so we ended up uh getting her and 
I just watched even at a young age and like I said, I was pretty good with context. And, uh, even at a, you know, at the ages of like eight or nine, I could see pretty well what was going on here. Sure. Um, and I remember one of the, one of the most defining moments of my life was we had just had to take, uh, Cassie is her name. We had just had to take Cassie to a visitation and I'm sure, you know, Oh God, they're some of the worst. I mean, some of the worst. And I remember her, we lived uh, in between, you were Borger and Fritch, is that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we lived in between Borger and Fritch. The uh, visitation was somewhere here in Amarillo. It was, yep. I'm sure it's a building that you would probably CBS know. CBS offices, yeah. probably. If, if I could remember, I had to listen to her scream bloody murder all the way home. All the way home. And that happened often so let me let me turn the tables a little bit yeah. and ask a few questions um what was she like on the way to the visitation was I, she excited i don't remember very well um honestly i don't and that's because i was pretty young yeah, um, sure. and i only went on a few of them but i do remember that it was always a roller coaster yeah. of bringing her back up um and then getting her torn down and then bringing her back up again. Sure. So I can offer that the weeks before a visitation, she was a wonderful little child. I mean, yeah. she was pleasant to be around the two or three days after a visitation. I would have rather stayed in a hotel. Dysregulated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and so I, to answer your specific question, I don't know, but I was able to see the roller coaster. And so what, what we see a lot of times is, uh, kids are excited. They're looking forward yeah. to it. And then it's this crushing experience. Right. And then there's two, three, five, seven days of dysregulation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to put it in more context, she was only like two, I think. Okay. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, two, two or three. She probably was excited to see mom. Yeah. And then. If, yeah. if she knew what was going on. Um, right. I, I don't know, but um, maybe she was excited to go have it happen or. I know there's some separation anxiety. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think what it was is that her sister did a lot of raising of her. And I don't know if it was. How, old, how much older was her sister? Her sister's older than me. So okay. more than more than seven years. I think her sister's two years older than me. Okay. Um, so like nine years older than her. Um, maybe even 12 years older than her because Cassie's seven years. So no. she would have been about a teenager. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, she. I think she was right about 12 when we ended up getting Cassie. And I honestly think that the bond was probably more with uh, her sister than it was her mother. Yeah. And maybe she just thought that the mother was the You know, she was so confused yeah. at that point that she thought she was going to get to see the sister or something. I, I don't really know what was going on there, but she had been bounced around so much that it was just awful, uh, you know, the ups and downs. And they ended up, um, when they really made headway was when they were able to get away from a lot of that um, and do the formal adoption. And we ended up moving, not for that reason, but we ended up moving like four or five hours away into Oklahoma. And uh, that's when things really started to improve. Um, And we were able to get away from those visitations because, you know, her mom finally, um, (laughs) by the grace, no, all of these check boxes had finally been marked for the state. And, you know, everything was finally done and we could finally stop this terrible process. How many years did um, it take? I, I don't, I would be lying if I told you I remember it. I want to say it was at least four. Yeah. At least like three or four. No, maybe like three. Um, Cause we, that sounds about yeah, right. We owned the feed stores at that time and I think they didn't get full adoption until we were about a year into Oklahoma. And so I want to say it was at least for full adoption. It was at least like three years, yeah. I think. And my mom would be able to tell you exactly. So for all the but, things we don't know about yeah. how kids work, one of the things we absolutely do know is stability. Yes. Is, 
is a huge benefit to kids. Right. And it is hard when you can't provide yeah. 100% stability. When you're only in charge of 90% and that 10% is wildly unstable, it's yeah. hard for those kids. Well, and that's why she ended up coming to us was because she was supposed to go with uh, my grandparents, um, my my grandmom and my step-granddad. Yeah. Well, they were older um I think one of them was retired and the other one wasn't yet. And that just wasn't, wasn't going to work. And then they were supposed to go to another family and everybody kind of looked at that and said, uh, really, you know, even though they're decent family and stuff like that, we just were like, eh, you know? And so they ended up sending them to us because we did live a little bit farther outside of Amarillo and she had two, it was going to be me five years older than my brother. And she's only two years apart from my little brother. And so, um, it's, it goes me five years and then, uh, seven years to Cassie. And so that was part of the reason that I think they did get a go to us is because they were doing, my parents were doing quite well at the time financially and didn't, did not stay like that. But, um, she was going to be in a more stable environment, um, with younger parents, younger siblings. Um, and, I do want to know, like, I do remember how fast the transition was to her calling my mom and dad mom because she was so young. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't remember it ever being forced. Like, my parents never, but because we were, um, it was truly quite amazing to see how quick she assimilated into when when the state wasn't doing everything they could to absolutely ruin it um how quickly she was assimilating into our family unit especially at a young age and it oh yeah what sucks so bad is it's so hard once they get older it it becomes so much more difficult once they get older and it's like how much how much i understand that we want to reunite this family but (laughs) how much do we you know who do we want to give the better chance at having a better life and a better chance at family? Do we want to give the kid a better chance or do we want to give mom a better chance? I understand mom's in a tough position. I understand mom came from the same situation, but also, you know, who who do we, yeah, it made her decisions. It's almost like a transplant list. You know what I mean? Like when they go and if you've got a 30 year old or a two year old sitting here that needs a transplant, which one are we going to do? We all know that we all know the decision. You know what I mean? So let's start advocating the best thing for the child. And it was and I'm, I'm getting a little bit opinionated. It, it but is, no. And it's, you know, they make no bones about it that the number one goal is reunification. Yeah. And I think that's Un, until it is just absolutely 100 percent proven where that is never going to happen. Yeah. The goal is reunification. And in the rare, in my opinion, rare times where it works well, it works so great. Yeah. Awesome. But man, there's a lot of times it just doesn't work. Yeah. And so that's the, the frustrating part yeah. for us is, you know, we will have that child for those three years or two years or whatever. Right. And see the progress and know they're doing well. And, and then you got to hand them back. And then they go back. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that with, uh, we actually had a pastor. So um, I'm not super, I'm very biblically and religionally ignorant just because I, I didn't keep up with it through high school and stuff like that. But I did go to church when I was younger and uh, we had a pastor that did foster care. And I think he still does foster care. And that was so hard because, you know, we were in a position to where if she wasn't going to go to us, she was going to go to mom. There was no yeah. if, ands, or buts about it. And, you know, it 
it didn't take a you know there was no uh what is the um uh, was Saul Goodman or what like it didn't take a, a a fantastic lawyer to decide that we were going to get her <laughs> it was just getting the state out of the way um and so there was more security there but when they were going through the foster system it was just so awful to just see that you know what i mean uh, to see that like yeah they're making progress and these foster parents have up all night with night terrors and all of these things that they're doing and then what are we going to do we're going to hand them right back even though you know they haven't (laughs) they've only pissed clean for six months right yeah you know what i mean maybe maybe you know what i mean like um they they pissed clean for six months and then we're going to say oh here's you know the most important thing that you can do with your human existence is to raise a child and uh well it looks like you've stayed off the needle for six months here here you go congratulations yeah here you go um it 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 has been really frustrating and and obviously I'm biased. I'm heavily biased. I I think our folks do just incredible, incredible work. Right. And I think um, that if if the the kids were allowed to stay with us, they'd turn out great. And that's we've had kids stay with us the whole time, and then it didn't turn out great. Yeah. yeah, And so it's it's foolish of me to think we can solve all the problems. Right. And I I know better. Got a better shot though. (laughs) Man, I think our folks are well equipped to give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but uh, yeah, man. Like I said, it just from my experience, it just drives a a huge appreciation for for what y'all do. Um, You know, it's it's funny when I give tours out at the home. invariably yeah especially if it's like high school kids i'm gi- i'm giving a tour to a national honor society kids or whatever right. someone will say will be in one of our houses and, and like i said they're nice yeah one of the kids will say well how do i come live here you know <laughs> yeah. and everyone will laugh and and i i always take that opportunity to say you know what's crazy is if you asked every kid out here would you rather live here or if you had a good situation with mom and dad would you go back and every one of them even sometimes without the good situation would say i wish i could live with my mom and dad and that that's such a a hard thing for all of us to understand because we have that thirty thousand foot view you know but for that kid it's mom it's dad that's all they've ever known you know and so we do try to remember that that kid loves mom generally, no matter what. Yeah. Um, flaws and all. Even even when rights are terminated, even when they're adopted, they usually have that that love for their parents, and and that's that's fine. That's a good thing. Yeah. Um, it, it's just it's just heartbreaking sometimes that um, they can't always see. Hey, let me show you this healthy thing, yeah. and, and and let's aim for that. Let's yeah. let's want that. Um, and if if your mom can do that, that's great. Yeah, and we want that. But but if they can't, let's distance let's, ourselves. Let's yeah, distance ourselves and 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 be part of that healthy thing. Yeah, be part. Yeah, and that I can't even imagine how hard it would be in that situation and you know i fight it not even nearly to the degree before i disparage anybody um but like with my wife you know um learning how to like set boundaries with somebody who has been toxic in your life again not even and to my wife's family that if you listen to this i'm not saying that y'all are (laughs) y'all are the equivalent of you know the cracked out mom that's not what i'm saying but um 
<laughs> y'all do know that y'all are a little toxic sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. As every family can and, be. And yeah, um, we, we yeah, have yeah. to set boundaries with yeah. all of our families. Yeah, and everybody regardless. knows who it is that I'm talking about. If they know, they know. <laughs> but uh, just trying to help my wife like set boundaries like that with that somebody does not that they, make you a bad person. No, well, yeah. and with somebody that they love so much, yep. and that's what's so hard. You know what I mean? Like. Um, there are other people in my life that deal with very similar situations to what my sister deals with, only they were a whole lot older when all of this stuff happened. Um, and getting, you know, I can't even imagine what it, how it feels, especially to be a more emotional human being that loves somebody to this higher level to get them to, to choose themselves over that other person and to distance themselves from that. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Like I said, I fought that a little bit with my wife and again, yeah. And it always sucks because on the other side, they're so into whatever, whether it's the meth or whatever they're, whatever they're on, they're so into that, that they can't see that they're not the best thing for the kid. And then they turn against you. You know what I mean? Like, they don't have the understanding to say, Hey, look, I'm not the best thing for this kid. Um, or, you know, maybe they know that they're not the best thing, but they just don't want to admit it. And so it's like, they turn the kid on you. Um, you know, if you really wanted to be, if you are the cracked out mom that can't really get it together, um, I don't think it would be fair to say just completely get out of life, but support the people that are trying to make an effort. You know what I mean? If you really wanted to do that kid right and maintain a relationship, you say, Hey, I love you, but this really is the best thing for you right now. Um, until I can get my stuff together, you need to listen to them. You know what I mean? You know, that is one of the, um, cool aspects of some of our kids are placed privately. And sometimes it's by parents who say, Oh, I'm just not equipped right now. Right. And so they will place their child with high planes and will be that surrogate parent. Right. All the while, they will be able to have um, structured and positive uh, interactions with their kiddo. Yeah. And then sometimes they get to a point where they're like, hey, I'm. I'm actually in a good place right now yeah. and I do think I can do this now and we do that whole reunification thing and and it works well. Yeah. Um I feel like but, that but is that rare? Well, but that's that's the parent who realizes. Yeah. Um and says, "Ooh, I I am in a bad place and it's having a negative impact on you. Go be in this positive place while I get me put together and yeah. then we can come back." And yeah, those are super cool to watch. Yeah. It's just super rare. I, I saw that a little bit at Boys Ranch. Um, I know of one case specifically where I don't think they were court mandated to right Most, to, to yeah. go to Boys Ranch. Yeah. I, I, I saw that once at, at Boys Ranch where a mom just and unfortunately I don't think there was a dad in the situation. Sure. Um, could have you know you can't swing a dead cat in a room full of those situations and find a father. Um, but you know, it was, it was that kind of situation where they sent it off, sent them off to boys ranch and it, from what I know, it did wonders for the yeah. kid. Um, and having, they do good work. Yeah, they really do. Yeah. Well, and it's, uh, even, even with parents that do a good job, having that awareness to understand that maybe your kid can benefit somewhere else. Kind of like what you were talking about with the schools. Um, and what we, yeah. I don't know if we were talking about this. I don't know if it was recorded or not. Um, but when we were talking about, Hey, I just want to be right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, you know, yeah. like understanding that the best right that you can be 
is for your kid to grow up and be the best person they can be. So yeah. you may have to hand off some responsibilities to yeah. to somebody else, like that coach that really pisses you off just because he is, you know, because your ego is flaring up and he thinks he knows what's best for your kid, yeah. and you're really upset about it. And maybe he does, and maybe yeah. the the good thing to do by this kid is for you to shut up, sit yep. in the stands, and yep. let him be coached. Um, even, even as good parents, that's such a critical aspect, especially when you're. It's it's good enough to do for yourself. It's so much more important to do for for younger children. 100%. I would think. Cool, cool, man. Well, I think we've had an awesome conversation. I've I, enjoyed it immensely. Yeah, I re, I really enjoyed it, and uh, like I said, I I cannot express enough appreciation for what y'all do out there. Um, and it's and I'll be honest, man. I am just lucky to get to work with all the people I work with. That's awesome. Um, we are, are, we call them direct care staff. Um, the direct care staff out there right. are some of the best human beings on the planet. Yeah. And they're changing the world and they don't always get to see it. Yeah. Uh, short term, but they they are absolutely world changers, and they are making a huge, huge difference in the lives of kids. And those kids, one of these days, are going to be adults. Yeah, and so they're they're changing the lives of adults and those adults' kids. Yeah. And their kids and it is a generational change that that we're they are making right so i did i was going to wrap it up i do have some more just yeah, like quicker absolutely. questions um i don't want to steal all of your time this evening no, but no. Um, it's just the rams and the raiders it's not a big deal <laughs> oh dude i want to see baker flop so bad we can turn it on before you leave just to see how yeah. bad this i want to see big i, I hate Mayfield <laughs> with such a passion well and when they said because there was thought that he was going to go to the 49ers yeah and how uh, much was christian mccaffrey dude, in I, life oh, did you gosh. see that meme where yeah. uh yeah it was you know the the baseball meme where the the fat pitcher's running out to the mm-hmm. mound and it's the catcher and he's like god oh. um yeah anyway i i just want to see baker flop that's all i want <laughs> um sorry sidetrack uh but what we apologize to all you ou fans yeah i don't i don't at all i'm a texas fan and i think you deserve every bit of what you get and i think usc should have won the national championship just mm-hmm. despite all of you but anyway um <laughs> not to get into politics um or family uh politics but um, what kind of do you have any sort of success rate of kids seeing such a benefit that they become involved? Uh, they they carry that on and come back involved. You know what I mean? Um, the, the one, I'm not going to say her name, but the girl that we helped, uh, we we took to prom. Um, she was talking about how she wanted to be like go get a psychology degree, and that, which I know your wife has a psychology yeah. degree, but um, I'm anti-establishment, so I was like, that's yeah. like the worst thing. Depends you can on do. what you do with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it depends on what you do with yeah. it. But uh, um, um, I was like, don't do that, but go do something. Else. Um, but yeah, what sort of success rate do you have with kids that are affected so much that they want to help and, and do the things like what y'all do? That's a great question. And one of the interesting factors in the answer is how much time they spend with us. Right. Um, and and those success stories are easy to tell. Yeah. Um, we have a kiddo named Dakota who spent a good portion of his childhood at High Plains. Right graduated became a missionary um came back went to sunset school of preaching became a youth minister and uh left youth ministry to work at children's home of lubbock (laughs) um well yeah that's a story we're super proud of right um, obviously but i would i would tell you we also get excited about um, some successes that a lot of other folks would overlook. Right. Um, 
we've had kids that were in the program and you know we're just kind of there and we worked and and then they aged out and kind of disappeared and then five years later they're married and have a good job and are being a good dad to their kid right and well we're calling that a big win yeah yeah um we also have guys that age out and struggle and then figure it out and become productive members of society. Yeah. And that's a win too. Right. Um, and so to to just pigeonhole success yeah. into those stories that are fun to tell, um, we love those, but uh, there, there are a whole lot of kids who have come through that we we think are successful, right? Um, and, and not necessarily because they have this grand story. Yeah. Um, no, that makes that makes sense. Yeah. And I actually think I have in here like what is kind of your success rate of of and I don't want to yeah. I don't want to put you too much on the spot because I know that has so many other factors other than what you no, do. No, absolutely. Um, um, but do you consider yourselves relatively successful? Well, so. One of my metrics for success is what doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, if if we have a child come to us, and let's say they're with us for one year, and for one year, nobody physically harms that child. Right. And for one year, that child has their own bed every night. And for one year, they get three square meals a day. Mm-hmm. And for one year, they have loving, caring adults in their lives. And for one year, they're about this guy Jesus and and why he's important Um, and for one year uh, they're not sexually assaulted or molested or or touched inappropriately or just worry about those things yeah Um, then I think we won yes sir Um, what happens beyond our 99.4 acres we don't have any control over. Yes, sir. But we've won the day if if that's what's happened while those kiddos are with us. Yes, sir. That makes a lot of sense. I think that's a really good answer. Um, one thing I do want to ask is, uh, let's see, how, how can a lot of people that listen to the podcast are kind of like me. A lot of them don't have, not that this is going to be your answer, but a lot of them don't have thousands to be able to give. What <laughs> way can young men like me that aren't exactly uh biblically astute (laughs) you know what i mean like um that are you know somewhat christians but how can we help get involved um what avenues do you have for you know people like me or my college buddies that just want to help um how do you how do you propose that we do that so um one of one of the things is finances are always helpful yes and $25 a month is helpful. Yes, sir. Um, You know, one of my uh, (laughs) financial decision-making tactics is uh, my 94-year-old grandmother lives here in Amarillo. Yes, sir. And when she sends a $20 memorial check, um, when I make a decision about spending money, I think about, okay, can I tell my meemaw what I did with her $20 and be proud of it? Um, yep. So there there are no small gifts. Yes, sir. They're yes, all sir. important. Yep. Um, but moving beyond financial, uh, we are almost always needing 
specifically guys with some skills. Yes, sir. Um, whether that be uh, carpentry, welding, auto mechanic skills. Um, like right now, we just have one. Excuse me. We have two kiddos on campus with their own cars. Right. Those guys need to learn how to change oil and they need to learn how to um, change brakes and they need to learn how to change spark plugs and plug wires. And, right. Uh, alternators. And it's all the stuff that I do with my kids. Uh, but we need guys who know that stuff, who are willing. Hey, I, I'll spend an hour and a half out there uh, yeah. with this with this. Uh, house parent and this kiddo and and we'll work through that and and we're fortunate a lot of our house dads know that stuff yeah and then we have a, a campus minister who is <laughs> he is a jack of all trades he is good at everything yeah uh, jonathan henley shout out jonathan um and so he he gets to do that stuff as well but uh, you know we always have fence that needs painted and uh we have pens that need cleaned and right uh, there's always uh there's always a shovel open for hands yes, if, sir. if guys are willing to do that stuff yes sir that makes a lot of sense i heard y'all had a coyote problem and uh i don't we, know if you i don't know if you got that <laughs> fixed the ellen was we, like we are fortunate we have <laughs> great relationship with the state trapper oh cool yeah and dylan was like they're probably gonna want to trap it and i was yeah, like are you sure yeah like <laughs> the we have a funny relationship with firearms on campus yeah it is, it is kind of interesting um so I, you mentioned coyotes and what we have had a problem with most recently is skunks yeah um and we trapped some foxes last year and what we learned this year is one of the only natural predators of skunks in the area is foxes right and so over a three-month span we trapped 45 skunks on campus Oof. Um, and, uh, one of our, one of our maintenance guys, a guy named, uh, Stan French became an expert at extricating, uh, skunks from where they are without him getting sprayed. Awesome. Uh, yeah. It's, it was super impressive to watch. Yeah. From a distance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can imagine. So, yeah. but anyway, man, I really appreciate your help. The pleasure's and, all uh, mine. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's going to be really cool to get this stuff out there. And I hope to have you back on at some point in time yeah. to, to dive into some more of the, of the other stuff that, you know, encompasses you and just specifically you and, and your opinions. Yeah. Um, Say when we'll make it happen. Yes, sir. I will. So thank you everybody for listening to Drew Perkins talk about his experiences and what he does, uh, the awesome work he does at High Plains children's home um he's got a really cool hat that i need to figure out how to get one um, we'll get you taken care of <laughs> but uh no he's uh he does a lot of good out there and uh, obviously an awesome man um if y'all have the ability to go and participate uh like what he's talking about um do that and and find a way to be involved um you don't have to be the holiest of holies you have to have a skill and be willing to help people and have some shared values and so uh get involved if you can uh thanks everybody uh tune into the purpose book club where we're reading the comfort crisis the uh episode got released we're recording this on thursday so it got released on the 7th um, you'll be hearing this on sunday so get that book if you don't have it yet you uh, have some reading catching up to do so you better get it done uh, but follow that and even if you need to read the book some other time get the book and follow along with my notes on that i think it's really going to benefit a lot of y'all uh, as always like and share the show if you find value in it um, you should have found some value in this one if you got to this point and you didn't find any value 
value in it, you weren't listening. So well, thank um, you. if you at least share anything, share Drew Perkins, please, <laughs> well, because other people need to hear that. I don't care if it's anything that I said. Um, just get the word of Drew Perkins out of there, please. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. And thanks, guys.